electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. I'll be one of my friends. Just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate, teach you, and find out how these days could happen. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. How do we explain today's tremendous rebound with the Dow jumping 599 points? Bye, bye, bye. The S&P 500 surging 2.14%. And the Nasdaq skyrocketing 2.92%? House of pleasure. It sure doesn't hurt that the price of oil plunged more than 7% today, dropping back to the 90s. Remember, oil's a tax on all of us. But I think a lot of this comes down to Ukraine. See, the war's taking too long for Mother Russia. That's what Vladimir Putin is discovering. He wanted a short, victorious war. He's gotten a morale-churning, expensive slog. He just can't conquer Ukraine on a decent timetable. There are simply too many buildings, too few roads, and too much modern weaponry on the wrong side of him. Right now, at this very moment, there's a real chance that Putin's got a quagmire on his hands, maybe even a defeat. And this from a man who thought he was invincible. One major reason he stalled is the entirely unexpected leadership of President Zelensky, a comedian-turned-head of state who stepped up in his country's time of need. Incredible contrast to most world leaders who would have been on the first chopper out of Kiev in the moment the bullets started flying. Plus, Russia spent eight years arming separatist rebels in eastern Ukraine. Major misstep because it gave the Ukrainian army a ton of practice. The Ukrainians know what they're doing. Many were training the Russian army. The, the more munitions they get from the West, the less likely Russia wins. The more provisions they get from the West, the less likely Putin's classic Stalinist tactics, forcing famine, will happen. They won't be able to starve them to death. Unbelievable month ago, because uh, uh, Zelensky, Putin may not have the horses. Of course, Ukraine isn't necessarily the main driver of today's rally, but the fact that the cracks are appearing in actual battles is pretty huge. Remember, it took well-trained U.S. Marines three weeks to clear a large town like Fallujah with 36,000 buildings. Thank you, Bing West, for this. Kiev has nearly has, has 300,000 buildings, nearly 3 million people. Good luck, Mr. Putin. If the Marines had a tough time... What will your troops experience in a treacherous urban battlefield 10 times the size? 
because the Ukrainians have rallied around Zelensky, because he didn't flee or make some awful deal, Putin may actually run out of money. Russia made a fault, ugly, embarrassing default. And it wouldn't be the first time that an army had to retreat because it's broke. Check out World War I. Check out what happened to Germany. Now, you could say that a lot of this was known before today's big rally, but here's what I see happening. See, the West is beginning to figure out that there's a third way between Russia winning and Russia losing. That's Russia running out of money to wage the war simply because it's already gone on too long without a lot of progress. And the sanctions are having an impact. And most important, it's difficult for Putin to shell Kiev. This is really the major story. When there's a possibility he might kill visiting world leaders who would never have gone had Zelensky not shown the courage. It's certainly not a war that China wants back, at least not to the hill. I have a ton of problems with the Chinese government. The Chinese the Communist Party's done some terrible things, but they're not stupid. They know they need the markets of Europe more than they need Russian natural gas, which they can get even if they don't lift a finger because Russia's in dire straits anyway. 25% of their exports go to the 775 million strong EU community. You think they just want to just say, oh, we don't need that market? They need it more than ever. Last night, I talked about how if we got anything good. The pessimism could be a springboard for the stock market. After the close of trading, I got my trustee number from the S&P oscillator that I so, I so coveted. The one that tells me when there's too much selling pressure, and it came in at minus 5.23. Anything under minus 5 means we're oversold and ready to rally. Plus, we got a Bank of America survey of fund managers that Bob Pisani talked about this morning, which showed that global growth pessimism hasn't been this negative since the summer of 2008, just before the collapse of Lehman Brothers. Put those together, and we had all the ingredients of a coiled spring. Sure, the war dragging on may not count as something that Wall Street will continue to view positively. But how about a startling break in inflation ahead of tomorrow's pivotal Fed meeting? I'm talking about the nosedive in the price of oil with West Texas Intermediate crude back to 95 a barrel. Now, I am a huge believer in oil. You know that. I believe the oil stocks with big dividends should be bought on any weakness. That's what we're doing today for the Charitable Trust as chronicle for the CNBC Investing Club that I hope you'll join. What matters here, though, is that while all sorts of commodities are soaring, oil is the only one that really stands out, and it's breaking down giving us hope that Fed Chief Jay Powell can gently cool down the economy with a softer landing rather than strangling the heck out of it. Plus, lower oil is always good for the vast swaths of the economy that are taxed by it. Oil down seven instantly makes the airlines more profitable, especially now that it looks like summer travel plans are heating up. The airline stocks naturally shorter the news. That explains the general tone because that happened very early. But, but, but how do we explain the tremendous rally in tech? Now, this former leadership group has crushed people since November. So relentless dip buyers have turned into endless sellers at a loss, destroying the morale of the bulls with their pain. I examined all the research this morning. I found absolutely nothing, nothing that's all that positive about tech in general or semiconductors in particular. But I have some real insight into what may have changed the mood. Our interview here with Matt Murphy, CEO of Marvell Technology. Now, not a lot of home gamers know Matt or his company. Eh, they know Intel. But the professional investors know Matt and love him. Marvell's a chip maker that plays in every important end mark there is, from the data center to 5G to the autos to high-performance computing, gaming. Everyone! When we spoke to him last night, he didn't just suggest that these areas are strong. He flat out said that Marvell is more business that can handle in every single one of its verticals. I heard endless rumors that the opposite was true. But Matt's straight shooter, and he, if any of those end markets were weak, why not admit it? The fact that they've accelerated, not just stayed the same, but accelerated in the last month was simply not in the bearish calculus. Matt's mad money appearance busted the semiconductor shorts, as we explained in our morning investing club, this missives and videos. So let's put it all together. 
At the same time, the key portfolio managers are pessimistic. We have an optimistic moment in Ukraine, where while the consumer is still spending, as demonstrated by positive airline numbers, and the enterprise is still spending, as demonstrated by Marvell's comments on our show last night. Immediately, I heard that the whole rally was just short covering, could be dismissed. We could go right back down tomorrow if the Fed says the wrong thing. There's some truth to that. This market's about as fragile as any I've seen in years. There are so many charters and fundamentals who've lost hope given high inflation, slow growth, less accommodated Federal Reserve. You know the particulars. As soon as stocks are overbought, if we even get there, I think that we could easily have a rinse and repeat situation. What matters to me, though, we're constantly being reminded that this market goes down, not in a stair-step fashion, but in a couple of days decline, followed by a spike, either from short covering ahead of an important issue like the Fed unemployment data, and then a resumption decline. I think this spike is still a good chance to reposition weaker portfolios. But the bottom line, sessions like this one are also a reminder that when things look really horrible and we've been down for days and days and days, you don't need to despair. You just need to be more clever. Raise some cash on the up move and steer yourself for the next decline if either oil prices or the Russian army advance to places where we really don't want them to go. Derek in Georgia. Derek. Hey, Jim. I need your help, buddy. I'm there for you. What do you want? All right. I bought some Macy's as it after it hit its high right around Thanksgiving. It started to pull back. I knew they had good inventory. Sales were going to be great. I, they post great numbers, top line, bottom line. They have great forecasts, and they even increase their dividends. And that boy has been going straight down. What do I do, Jim? You stay long and you buy more. Okay, two and a half percent yield, much better balance sheet, and a five PE. I have to apologize to Jeff Kinnett, the CEO, for what the market is saying about his work, because the market's wrong. And you, my friend Derek in Georgia, are right. How about we go to Mike in Florida, please? Mike. Hi, Jim. Question about Boston Beer, symbol S-A-M. Yes. Great balance sheet, no debt. However, stock has been pummeled. Looks like a miscalculation regarding the hard seltzer. Is the pain over no, or is there more no, to go? It's not over. They still, uh, I mean, I'd rather buy Coca-Cola here. I'd rather buy, uh, let me give you one that's just much better, Molson Coors. I know people don't think of TAP as a, as a good company. Those people are wrong. It's really making a major comeback. Good, much better balance sheet, uh, really good ca- uh, Really good re- restructuring. Go into TAP, Well, yeah, That's the way to go. Hey, how about Ara in Ohio? Ara. Hey, Jimmy, this is Ara. With uh, growing season right around the corner, I'm calling about Weber. I'm shocked to see 40% of the float is short. While inflation's hit the bottom line, they have a good amount of debt. Yet they're highly profitable and a great brand. What do you make of this large short position? Um, well, I got to tell you, uh, I talk about what I'm right. I had thought that Weber would have rallied. The short position is humongous. The P.E. is low. I like your call. At 10 bucks. I mean, you really got to just say, they're either going to um, either nobody's going to grill ever again or you buy well. All right. Sessions like today are a reminder that when we've been down for days, don't despair. Just get a little clever. Raise some cash. Get yourself ready for the next decline with more defensive stocks. There's plenty of them out there. May have money tonight. CrowdStrike reported last week and shot the lights out. So can this cybersecurity play continue to defend itself from the tech bears? I'm checking in with the CEO. And trying to spot a bottom in the S&P amid recent volatility. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn to the queen of Fibonacci herself and go off the charts because she's been making people money. Hey, and by the way, the most, the best retailer in the world, <laughs> Costco, caught in the course of inflation. Well, I'm learning about how much they know more than anybody else. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. 
Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also, a fact smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Has the market finally started differentiating between the good cloud stocks and the bad ones after months of indiscriminate selling? We know Coupa Software lost nearly 20% of its value today after issuing a soft outlook last night. But what about the cloud companies that are still thriving? Companies like CrowdStrike, the cloud-native cybersecurity play with a long history of reporting excellent numbers. These guys delivered a terrific quarter last Wednesday, absolutely crushing the sales and earnings estimates, while giving us a much better-than-expected forecast. Since then, the stock has exploded higher in a very difficult market for these high-growth stocks. Unfortunately, while CrowdStrike has pulled back more than 100 bucks from its high, it's still trading at roughly 20 times sales, so it's far from cheap. I don't know if this bottom is real. But I do know the stock will be worth owning at some level because the underlying business is extremely solid. The demand for cybersecurity is here to stay. But don't take it from me. Let's check in with George Kurtz, the co-founder, president, and CEO of CrowdStrike. Get a better read on the quarter and what comes next. Mr. Kurtz, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. All right, so George, you get up in the morning and you hear, OK, well, a number of Israeli government websites were down. They were hit. And your eyes glaze over because like, oh, yeah. But the truth is, one, your eyes shouldn't glaze over. And two, this is terrible news. I mean, Israel prides itself on its cybersecurity. What the heck do you think happened here? 
Well, like anything else, Jim, it's a uh, it's a brutal world out there in cyberspace uh, between nation actors, uh, e-crime uh, actors and, and even hacktivists. And uh, any number of companies, governments or organizations can be hit. And again, this is why companies like CrowdStrike exist to help organizations of all sizes and scales prevent against breaches and, and keep them safe. Since the Colonial Pipeline, I have not heard of ransomware. Have there been a lot of ransomware in- uh, moment since then. Absolutely. In fact, what we've seen with our threat intelligence group, which is uh, several hundred people, and we get visibility from 176 different countries uh, where we've got our agents or sensors, we see the ransomware attacks. And in fact, uh, e-crime is actually up since the war in Ukraine started. Everyone's looking at nation state actors. Everyone's talking about Russia and Ukraine, as they should be uh, it's a terrible situation. But the e-crime actors are looking at that as a distraction and ramping up their activities and stealing more money uh, as the days go on. One of the things that worried me about your quarter, and I'm glad for you, but worried me, was that you uh, got a, a Fortune 50 financial institution. So I said to myself, hold it, if that's my institution, does that mean that someone might be, uh, like, say, maybe taking $8.38 from my account every day? So I don't notice well, I mean, I hope that isn't the case, Jim. I hope you, you would notice. But um, we were excited to have that financial institution. We got 15 of the largest 20 financial institutions in the world, which I think is a testament to the uh, technology we've built and, and our success in the enterprise. And uh, our goal is to keep uh, your bank and all the other banks that we have and financial services companies safe. And that is one of the areas right now, given the uh, geopolitical environment, there is a big focus on the financial services industry, uh, expecting some level of retaliation based upon the sanctions that we've implemented against Russia. Um, I was hit by a real bad hack. Um, it turns out I bought, uh, I, it looks like I, I, I bought like hundreds of phones, and I obviously didn't, and it was caught. Uh, do companies, how, how are companies doing this without CrowdStrike? How do they find out? Uh, that, that someone's been buying a suspicious amount of something? Well, generally, they've got some level of anomaly detection of what people are buying. But the hard part is how did they get in there in the first place? And that's an area that we specialize in, being able to prevent against those breaches if they're using malware. Or many of the attacks, as I said in the past, don't use malware. Uh, they come in and they abuse identity. And that's one of the areas where <clears throat> CrowdStrike excels at is on the endpoints, being able to protect your identity uh, and make sure that it isn't uh, stolen, laundered, and doing bad things. Um, how else do they come and, into CrowdStrike? One of the areas that we have is a professional services business. It's a small business, but very strategic. And I talked about this in the last earnings call. Mm-hmm. For every dollar of uh, services revenue, we generate uh, $5.71 of subscription revenue, which is amazing. So we're out there helping customers and then helping clients, non-customers, and then converting them into customers later. All right. You know, one of the things that I, I mean, I'm always trying to figure out the pattern. Uh, we had two really bad hacks. We had Target, we had Home Depot. And then there's not been any hacks to retail. Does that mean that they all, they hired CrowdStrike and some of the others, and they're not, and the bad guys aren't going after retail? Or does that just mean everyone's keeping it quiet? 
Well, we do have a, a big retail uh, vertical, which is fantastic for us. And uh, many of the top retailers have chosen CrowdStrike. But at the end of the day, it's still a very busy uh, segment. And the crime actors have gotten really good at stealing money in various ways. And it happens behind the scenes. And I think to your earlier point, sometimes we become numb to these breaches and, and this activity until you see the, the mega, you know, mega breaches, mega activity around the pipelines and, and some of the other things that we saw last year. So as I said before, Jim, this is the number one risk factor for almost any board that I've talked to and interact with. And they realize that it, it isn't just about one computer being hacked. It's about a systemic failure in their business um, if ransomware gets through or if their data gets stolen. It's, uh, it's, it's critical for many at this point. And obviously the number one client in the country is Amazon Web Services, and they've chosen you. They have, and uh, we talked about our success uh, with AWS being one of the leading marketplace uh, vendors, which is a, a testament given uh, the customers they have. Uh, it's been a great partnership. Uh, they're a great customer, and uh, we've got uh, tremendous go-to-market motion with them. Um, you look at what we've been able to do there. Uh, you look at our quarter, which I think was spectacular. Yeah. You look at our cash flow generation. Jim, I mean, it was off the charts uh, with $127 million of record free cash flow. We had a tax payment for an acquisition we did. It would have been $197 million. Um, so when you know, companies talk about high growth companies, sorry, I should say, when people talk about high growth companies that aren't making money, we are putting money in the bank. Right. That is very important. That's, that's why that 20 times sales, that number I quoted, is misleading. You do have to look at operating cash flow. You have to look at the money coming in. And that way, you'd know that CrowdStrike's doing a lot better than a lot of other companies that sell at high multiples. George Kurtz, thank you so much for always explaining this world to me. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. CrowdStrike delivered an amazing quarter, and that's why the stock was able to go higher. It's actually, if you go back to last week, and I was because I was doing my uh, CBC Investing Club, this was the only stock that did well. Not tech stock, only stock of the new oils. Man, money's back after the break. Coming up, the market often follows the S&P. So Kramer gets a step ahead of the key index. Off the charts, next. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX. Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash businessgoldcard. 
every time the market bounces like it did today, we got to ask yourself, is it over? Has the pain stopped? Is this the beginning? Have we finally reached the light at the end of the tunnel? Oh, these can be dangerous questions. We've had a tough backdrop for months and months, and it's only gotten tougher in recent weeks. Anyone inclined toward optimism has immediately had their head in into them. There's no more dip buying. But when everything looks grim, as I said last night, I always like to remind you that things can still go right. It's important to try to be constructive always, especially when so many stocks have come down so dramatically from their highs. I know positivity has been poisoned ever since the Fed decided to start cracking down on inflation way back in November. And that's why I turned negative on vast swaths of the market pretty much immediately. Anybody who wants to see that, all you got to do is go back to that first CMEC investing club, and I think it'll kind of open your eyes. That's it. We need to try to get our heads around when the bleeding will stop. Like I told you last night, this market will bottom once the bulls throw in the towel and the bears reign supreme. That's what happens. And that's what can stop the bleeding. Really negative sentiment. Maybe more negative than I even talked about at the top of the show. The thing is, sentiment, it's so hard to measure. You know, I use the S&P oscillator as a good indicator, but it can be wrong. It's given the many surveys we hear about expressing optimism or pessimism. In moments like this, what do you like to do? Well, I like to... Uh, you know, let my emotions get checked and go into, uh, let's say, not even cockeyed optimism, wild-eyed panic. But more important, I say charts. In times of turbulence, I go chartist. I like to take my feelings out of the equation and consult something more quantitative, more empirical. It's been working. And that's why tonight we're going off the charts with the help of Car- uh, Carolyn Baroden. Now, she's a brilliant technician whose work you can find on ElliottWaveTrader.net. Now, back in mid-January, when the averages were bouncing after hideous declines, a lot of us got bullish. But Baroden warned us that the bounce was likely to be temporary because the overall technical picture remained ugly. What a call. She pointed out that some key levels for the S&P and the NASDAQ 100 floors of support that would crush us if they broke down. Well, it did break down. And that's exactly what happened. She got you out. Which brings us to the big question. What about now? Could we be closer to a bottom here? Are we still in danger of getting buried under the rubble? Was today meaningful? Okay, take a look at the weekly chart of the S&P 500. Right now, Broden says, well, you know what? She's still bearish. But she also thinks there's some hope for intermediate-term low to develop sometime soon. Not a permanent bottom, right? She's not saying that this is, uh, we're done. It could still be there. But she is saying we could have a bounce. Her reasoning. Remember, Broden likes to measure past swings and to give them security and then run them through what's known as the prism of Fibonacci numbers. Now, this is a sequence of ratios that repeats itself over and over again in both nature and for some completely inexplicable reason also seems to apply to patterns in the stock market. And you and I have seen this enough to know it's true. She runs this analysis on both the y-axis of the chart, price, okay, and then the x-axis of the chart, which is time to find key areas where a stock or an index is more likely to change its trajectory. According to Broden's analysis, the S&P could be approaching a period where the bulls have time on their side. Although, again, that doesn't necessarily make for a lasting bottom. On the weekly chart, our methodology has spotted five Fibonacci timing cycles uh, that come due this week and next week. On a weekly chart, she says you need to like Look at it, a timing, uh, like a timing plus or minus a week when you're waiting for possible trend change. So in other words, it's not exact, timing plus or minus. And that's a pretty wide time window, though. So what if we tighten it up and focus on the S&P's daily chart? Now, here's where it gets really interesting. On the daily pictograph of the action, Broden spotted not four or five, but eight 
Fibonacci timing cycles coming due between yesterday and Thursday. That's a pretty strong cluster of these cycles. To put it in perspective, when she's normally trying to spot potential lows or highs, she starts taking these things, timing cycles, seriously once there are three or more in close proximity to each of us. Each of them. So now, what do we say? We've got eight. However, Broden also notes that sometimes the market will spike down into these timing cycles before giving a reversal. Unfortunately, she suspects that that might be the case this time around, too, because some of her downside targets have yet to be met. Basically, the S&P still hasn't fallen low enough for the chart to be screaming bottom. And overall, she thinks the technical picture is still pretty bleak, as many others do. Remember last night we talked about the, the death cross? But considering this big cluster of Fibonacci timing cycles, Broden says there's good reason to expect an intermediate term low this week. And that's what may have happened starting today. Before you get lost in the authentic Wall Street gibberish, though, what the heck would this kind of bounce even look like? Hey, why don't we go deeper in the S&P's daily chart for a recent example? You want to know what can happen when we get a cluster of these Fibonacci timing cycles on the way down? We were there just a few weeks ago. You had a bunch of timing cycles coming due from February 23rd right here, uh, and February 25th when the S&P was getting pulverized. And sure enough, we caught a nice little bounce right on schedule. S&P made its low on February 24th, one day into Broden's timing window, and this was followed by a short-term relief rally, 302 points. Of course, it only lasted about a week before we started going right back down, but you can do a lot with a few decent sessions, as I said at the top, especially if you need to raise cash, which is what these spikes should be used for. Now, one big caveat here. I like to turn to the technicals when the market's going crazy because it gives us a quantitative framework, no emotion for valuing stocks. Normally, I prefer to judge stocks, though, based on the fundamentals of individual companies, what kind of money their businesses are making, and what people will pay for those numbers. But right now, we don't know what people will pay for anything. The market's still going through a gut-churning rotation. If you're under 30, think of it as a vibe shift. People tell me that matters. The old vibes are dead. And we're not sure what the new vibes will feel like. See, vibes for me were like xylophone. So let's take vibes out of the equation and just look at the patterns in the price action. According to Broden, these patterns mean there's a strong possibility of a rebound that lasts for at least a few days, not just today. What kind of possibility? Based on her work, when you see a cluster of Fibonacci timing cycles like this one, she says there's only about a 60% chance of reversal. 60-40 may not sound like much, but those are actually pretty good odds in the stock business. So here's the bottom line. The charts, as interpreted by Carolyn Broden, suggest that the S&P 500 is poised to give us a couple of days bounce, yes, over the next week and a half, with a real possibility that that bounce started today. However, she also believes it's a relatively short-term in nature, not a reason to buy stocks, but maybe a really good reason to reposition and get into areas that are more defensive and less dangerous. So lighten up into this rally. Let's go to Seema in Illinois, please. Seema. From Chicago. How are you doing? I am doing really well, Seema. How about you? Good. I'm a new club member and a long-term viewer of your show. My question is on Netflix. You know, there were so, you know, something, Seema, there were so many analysts that came out positive on Netflix today, and it barely did anything. And I found that very worrisome. When so many analysts like something on a day like today, it should have been up huge. This is a red flag for me. I still be careful with Netflix. How about Michael and we're sticking with Illinois here. How about Michael in Illinois? Michael. 
Thank you for taking my call, Jim. This is Michael calling from Chicago. I got a question here. What do you think about UPS and others in the transportation? Okay, we have been sellers of UPS for uh, my investing club, the Chapel Trust. Why? Okay, well, we think that it's had a very big move, and we're a little fearful of what's going to happen when FedEx reports in two days. I don't think FedEx is as good as UPS, but every time they say something negative, UPS gets hurt. So we've slimmed it down, and that way we can go into it with clear-eyed and no worry. David in Delaware. David! Booyah, Jim. How you doing today? Today was an exceptional day, frankly. I had my physical. It was about four hours long, and the doctor tells me I'm, uh, eh. No, no. He was, <laughs> it was okay. It was okay. Well, not, not a lot I'm talking about here. one of my uh, stocks in my retirement portfolio, uh, Eli Lilly. Um, I purchased that cost per share was two sixty two. I like the drugs in the pipeline. I want your thoughts on it for a long-term five or ten years. Lilly is my favorite stock currently owned by the Charitable Trust. My favorite. I was going over with Jeff Marks, my partner in non-crime, and we were talking about Eli Lilly today and how David Ricks has put together maybe the most important new drug when it comes to diabetes. And I think he may be close, much closer than Biogen, for doing the right thing for Alzheimer's. Lilly, number one name in the Chapel Trust. Hold on. Strap in. Going higher. All right. Tonight's chartist thinks the S&P is poised to give us a bounce over the next week and a half. But she also believes this is short term. So we take what we got today and a couple more days and we reposition. If you're in the club, you're going to be following our repositioning very closely. So why not join? Uh, okay, look, it could be a good time to lighten up on some of these more dangerous stocks that we all know have gotten clobbered. Hey, much more mid money, including a very first on CME. You know, these guys always say first on CME. I mean, everything I do is first on CBC, so I'll say it too. First on CBC, president and CEO of Costco. Except when I say it, it's like first. You know what I mean? Like really first. Could the wholesale retailer be able to fight inflationary headwinds? They got anything up their sleeve besides my blood test here? See, I got like 70 of them today. They left me some blood, though, so don't worry. That was my exclusive. And it's everyone's hope that there'll be a peaceful end to the Russian-Ukraine war. You know what? I'm going to give you some constructive ideas of how to put an end to the conflict. And then, of course, all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Is too much for the S&P technology? I mean, look, it's okay today. Technology was great. But that's what we were pondering today before Jeff Marks and I started our morning meeting for investment club members that we hold every day at 20 after 10. We really duke it out, but we both realized today, wow, we got too much tech. Now, we don't care all that much about the so-called weightings. I'm going to talk about them tomorrow night, meaning what percentage of the S&P 500 is devoted to industrials or utilities, discretionary spending, or technology. We spend far more time talking about which companies are best of breed and can make us the best long-term money. Of course, we still believe in diversification. It has kept the trust from being blown out dozens of times, and it's allowed us to make and distribute a lot of money for charity. But what matters the most is selecting the best stocks for the trust and explaining to people how you do it. Why? To brag? No. So you can do it better yourself at home. That's the whole point. We're trying to make you your best portfolio manager. No one else is doing that. So with that in mind, I want to take some calls about portfolio management and how to pick stocks so you know more about how we think in the morning meeting at 20 after 10. And, of course, our stock selection, which we always tell you what we're going to do before we pull the trigger. So let's start with Roger in California, please. Roger. 
Hey, Jim. First time, long time, and a proud Charter Investment Club member because I respect your experience and value your wisdom. Ah, uh, you're very kind. And thank you to all the kind mentioners I've had today who really seem to like appreciate the, the AMC stuff that I did, and I wanted to thank everybody. Well, how can I help? So your Rule 19 says to sell when a senior executive departs a company. And we have the unfortunate news that uh, Michael Nydorf, the CEO of Centene, is out on a medical leave. Of course, we wish him well. But do I hold or sell Centene, CNC? Um, You know what I'll say about this? Michael Nydorf is a rare individual who has spent his whole life trying to do the right thing in healthcare, has done a remarkable job, and I think we'll have a deep bench. And if not, someone's going to buy the company. I think you're fine. I want to Mr. wish Mr. Nyder well. But the most important thing is he's built a great company. Uh, United Health's a great company, too. So uh, there's two that I like, and I'm warming up to you, Mana. Let's go to Bill in Pennsylvania, please. Bill. Chill, man. You know avocados are a great reason to jump out of bed in the morning. I've been watching Mission Produce since mid-2021, and I want to know if this recent drubbing is uh, worth getting out of the bed for. Okay, this is actually a profitable company that makes avocados. Now, here's the problem. As someone who's a big buyer of avocados, it is one of the most cyclical businesses I've ever seen. There'll be a month where I'm getting killed, and then a month where I'm making money, a month where I'm getting killed. And Mexico, if they have a good season, they can wipe out any California-based company. Any company that is doing anything in the field can be wiped out by Mexico in a heartbeat. So I'm going to have to say no to that one. Let's go to Jeff in Illinois. A lot of Illinois callers today. Jeff. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Is, I'm wondering if I have some horse sense. Uh, this company makes things. They underpromise and overdeliver, and they make PPE N95s here in America with no Chinese exposure. OMI, Owens and Miner. All right, I can tell you a funny story about that with Mr. Paseca. Uh, the stock was at five bucks when this whole tragedy of COVID started, and uh, it's at $41 now. And I looked into what they were doing. And they, all the analysts said the same thing. Almost everyone had to sell on it. They had borrowed a lot of money uh, and made some acquisitions. And it was one of those things. This very rarely happens in the business. Very rarely happens. I called them. They came on the show. And I asked them, how's business? And, and what's going on? And they said, well, you know what? We make the stuff that you need for PPE. We cannot make it fast enough. We're making fortunes. And I'm looking at all the notes in Owens Minor. It says, like, you know, listen, these guys are really in trouble, whatever, whatever. And I just felt because of what this very specific area, and I know a lot of people recognize that I was very early on what, what was going to happen in COVID. Uh, in this very specific area, they were the only ones. And so what basically happened is, is that we told everybody to buy it and buy it and buy it some more until other people got into their business. And uh, it was a, a great home run for viewers. And I thank you. That was just one where Wall Street had given up on a company that really had the right product at the right time. Let's go to Jay in Wisconsin, please. Jay. Booyah, Kramer. Booyah. This is Jay, second-time caller, long-time listener. I was questioning uh, FHN, First Horizon. They got a buyout bed from TD. I've owned it for about two years, and I was wondering, should I – 
take the money and run now, or should I wait to see if the $25 offer gel? We are not. uh, That's a great question. What I tell people who subscribe to the uh, investing club uh, and listen to the morning meeting every day at 1020, we are not arbitrageurs. Once we get a takeout, we ring the register. And why do we do that? Because we don't know enough about what could break down. Now, I will say this. And I'm glad you gave, gave us a call. Brian Jordan has come on the show in good times and bad, the CEO. And I know that he worked incredibly hard to build an amazing institution. And it never got the recognition that it deserved from Wall Street. So what's happened is I think he got the right bid. And he said, you know what? I'm an honorable guy. I got to do what's right for the shareholders. I love running the bank. I'm not an old guy. I got lots of room. But you know what? The truth is, it's good for shareholders. So, ka-ching, ka-ching. Portfolio management, how you do it, how you become a better person in terms of running your money, that's what the club's all about. Stick with Kramer. Just chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The chill man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. What's up, Rob? Goes on. What do you say about the lightning round? And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski Dad, time for the lightning round. Let's start with Jermaine in Texas. Jermaine. What's up, Jim? How are you doing today? I'm having a good day. How about you, Jermaine? And not too bad. Um, I was wondering your thoughts on SoFi. I know that it has a 52-week low yesterday, and I was wondering what's your thoughts about it. We know it's heading to a great direction. Uh, I like to try to uh, see if it's strong by. I'm beginning to believe that this may be one of the most undervalued. I know the PE bond doesn't, but it's got growth. I, I, I've got it. Anthony Noto is not a loser. He is a winner. And he will get this thing going. It is very low at eight bucks, and yet I like it. Let's go to Mark in New Hampshire. Mark. Hey, Jim. It's my pleasure to speak to you today. I've been tapping into your pipeline of knowledge since your Cudlow and Kramer days. Oh, man. Date me. Thank you. (laughs) And me, too. Uh, I appreciate your contributions to my investing education. Much appreciated. My stock is Zim, Integrated Shipping Services, ticker Z-I-M. Well, I have to tell you, it sells at two times earnings, but at 52, I said, I don't like shipping stocks. That was a mistake. I had no idea how much earnings power people have been telling me this one. It's just got a lot of earnings power. I thought that things would have, I thought that the the rates would have gone down by up, and they're not, and I think Zim's winning, but I, 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 I'm not the call, is what I'm saying. I'm not the call. Let's go to Grace in Pennsylvania. Grace. Thank you, Mr. Kramer. Of course. Uh, first time caller. Uh, thank you for all your insights. Calling you. about Zebra. I think Zebra is the principal beneficiary of warehouse automation in this country, and yet the stock has been one day down after another. It doesn't make sense to me. The company had a good quarter. Let's go to Mike in Texas. Mike. Jimmy Chill. Yo, Chill. Hey, this is Mike in Texas. A long-time listener, first-time caller, and an investment club member. Yes! My my question for you today is, with inflation on the rise, the Fed is about to raise rates, and this market is in a sell-off mode, is it time to increase my position in Dominion Energy? 
I think yes. I think Dominion's terrific. It's got actual growth. It's incredibly well run. They haven't been on TV lately. I don't know why that is, but I think they're doing a terrific job. Let's go to Travis in Iowa, please. Travis. Kramer, what are your thoughts on Bash Health? Bye. Break up, Papa, money. Jeff in Georgia, please. Jeff. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. I appreciate your show. Thank you. Um, you, you good. You made mention in the past uh, that you wouldn't bet against the CEO and the, he makes people money. I'd like to know your opinion of this stock and the Spruce Point report. What is up with Tom Siebel and C3 AI? In the last go-around, Siebel was fabulous. In this go-around, not so great. The C3 has been eluding me. Uh, I, I, I'm not recommending it. I do like Snowflake, and Snowflake has just been on a continual down path. Uh, again, we, we, these companies that don't make money, people want nothing to do with. But I think that I'm, I've only made the uh, exception to be Snowflake. Everything else is a little too dangerous. Let's go to Dave in Pennsylvania. Dave! Okay, booyah, Jim. How you doing? I'm doing well, Dave. How about you? Oh, not bad. Thanks. All right. So, yeah, I am in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, but my home will always be for it. All right. My question is about the solid-state batteries and how they're going to have a major impact on the automotive industry, uh, specifically the EV industry, uh, and, and should I be interested in QuantumScape? Uh, well, I mean, look, there's a million co- no, there's a, there's dozens of companies in the same space, and I just don't think that QuantumScape fits my depiction of companies that make something for a profit and return some to you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. We all hope for an end to Vladimir Putin's malicious insanity in Ukraine. He's made no secret of wanting to recreate the borders of the Soviet Union or the old Russian Empire. And he's willing to go to psychotic lengths to make it happen. Like I said at the top of the show, it's looking like there's a real chance that Russia might not have the firepower to pull this off. They didn't expect an actual war. But as I always tell you, hope is not part of the equation. Rather than keeping my fingers crossed, I want to offer some constructive solutions to minimize the conflict, even if some of them might be a little unorthodox. Our government has tried to drive a military wedge between China and Russia, not doing it very well, knowing full well that the Ukrainians are faring far better than Putin expected, to the point where his regime might be running low on both money and munitions. China's his best bet to re-equip. We know he's spoken to President Xi dozens of times in order to cement the relationship. Russia can supply nearly all of China's oil and gas needs at a low, low price. It's powerful. But you know what else China needs? Medicine. Particularly the best of breed COVID vaccines made by our Moderna and Pfizer. The Chinese government bet heavily on their own homegrown vaccines, and they turn out to be much less effective. Plus, they don't seem to have much luck copying mRNA technology from the West. So what would happen? What would happen if we offered China a vaccines for peace program? We could give them all the Pfizer and Moderna doses that they need free of charge to cope with their multi-city lockdown in return for the promise not to send Russia money or military aid. That would truly make Putin's backstop a non-starter. And without assistance from China, he might have to rethink his war. A second idea. We haven't seen ex-German Chancellor Angela Merkel in public for a month. But we know she has tremendous sway with Putin. 
I don't think it's a coincidence that he waited for her to retire before launching his invasion. In retrospect, Merkel's foreign policy is what made this war possible. She got Germany hooked on Russian natural gas, not even pulling back after Putin illegally took Crimea back in 2014. Now, we've seen the heads of the Czech Republic, Poland and Slovenia all go to Kiev in a definitive show of support. Now it's Merkel's turn. Can you imagine if she showed up at Kiev and endured the bombing as Winston Churchill did nightly during the Battle of Britain? Merkel can speak fluent Russian and she's got a good relationship with Putin. So she can make a direct appeal to end the war while helping with humanitarian efforts. Last idea. We know that the Russian invasion is bogged down. Their tanks are stalled and vulnerable javelin missiles. But the biggest problem is with Russian artillery. Ukraine doesn't have much to get hit back. So what would happen if we let them have some, through Poland, some of our unmanned drones, say like a couple thousand of them, that can be used to find and root out artillery positions? As long as the hail of artillery fire continues, Russia can encircle cities and starve them out. But if Ukraine could break the cordon, attack the artillery, and further demoralize Russian troops, it could be a game changer. Without better munitions from the West, I don't see that happening unless Russia runs out of ammunition. Although that's a surprisingly real possibility. Three ideas. Vaccines for peace, a Merkel gambit, and a Ukrainian offense powered by U.S. unmanned aerial vehicles. It may be a little outside the box, but we should do everything we can to end this war without escalating the situation into a direct conflict between two nuclear powers. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. And I probably try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.